The topic of angels is fascinating, especially as we consider Revelation, the Bible's final book. What is the significance of the angels in Revelation? Find out today on A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here with co-host Joe Kerr, and our guest today is Nathan Jones. Nathan is both an expert on the end times and a good friend of our program. Nathan, welcome back to A View from the Wall. Hey, gentlemen. Good to be on. Thank you. Well, Joe, I don't know about you, but the topic of angels seems to come up a lot in spiritual conversations lately. Do you see this as well where you are? Oh, absolutely. It's a favorite subject from cartoons to ministry and books and movies and a little of everything out there. So I'm glad we get a chance to talk about this. Right. Well, angels have been a fascinating aspect of our culture for some time, and there are all kinds of ideas about angels, many of them not accurate according to the Bible. So I think we have the right guest for this topic. Nathan Jones is the internet evangelist at Lamb and Lion Ministries, and he co-hosts the weekly TV broadcast Christ in Prophecy with Dr. David Reagan. Nathan is author and co-author of numerous books, including the one we'll be discussing today called The Mighty Angels of Revelation. And we're going to dive right into this topic. And first, Nathan, let's get started on this idea of angels. Why a book on angels? Get us started on this. Indeed, why? Because obviously Billy Graham wrote one of the best books on angels I have ever written. So it's been a topic that's done to death. But unfortunately, it's a topic that's been done awfully wrong. Um, it actually, the, it, I really got interested in, in studying more about angels because my parents, a number of years back, got in this terrible car wreck. I mean, they had a head-on collision with another car, and it pushed the engine actually through the firewall and crushed my mother, and she was uh, burned and pretty badly. My dad had broken ribs, and yet he was able to crawl out of the car, and he was trying to make his way around to help my mother, and he passed out in the middle of the street. And between haze and fog, he heard a Harley-Davidson motorcycle engine coming. My father's a big motorcycle enthusiast, so he knew what he was listening to. And sure enough, this big chrome wheel rolls up next to his head. He hears the clack of boots get down, and he's lifted off the tarmac, and he's carried, and he's put in the grass. And then through a kind of a haze, he watched as this motorcyclist with on the back of his leather jacket saying, Heaven's Angels, go and help my mother, and then check the other car. Well, a little later, after my father had passed out, he reawoke in the ambulance, and he asked the ambulance uh, aide there, he said, could you please go thank the biker for helping me? And the, the paramedic scratched his head, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no motorcyclist there. And he checked with the police officer on the scene, said, there's no motorcyclist here. And so my father, once he was at the hospital and could call me and let me know, he said, well, you know, I, I've never encountered an angel before, but I, I really believe that this is about, this was an angel that helped us. And well, I was shocked that my first reaction to that was skepticism. Here I am, I was a Bible college and seminary and working in the ministry and all that. I'm skeptical that God is still using angels in our day and age. So I talked to a friend of mine, he's a pastor named Vic Batista. We do a radio program every Wednesday called The Truth Will Set You Free. And he said, well, the book of Revelation is the has got the most amount of angels out of any book in the Bible. He said, why don't we teach through the book of Revelation from the angel's point of view? I was like, hey, you know what? That's right. You know, Maybe I'll learn more about angels that way. Sure enough, it took us a year to teach through Revelation. 
and uh, ended up blogging it. And finally, here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, our uh, director, Dr. Reagan, challenged me, so why don't you turn that into a book? Sure enough, I did, and here it is. Two years later, after all that, uh, I am convinced that the Lord is using angels. Now, whether my father saw an angel or not, that, that remains to be a mystery, but other people have talked about a motorcyclist who have rescued them and then mysteriously disappeared. So there could be a, an angel out there who's a motorcycle enthusiast. And I'm a motorcycle enthusiast as well, so I love the thought of that. <laughs> you uh, you list a number of angels that probably people have never heard of because you go through the book of Revelation and identify some very specific jobs that they do, some tasks. You kind of you kind of put together the special forces of the angel world. What what roles do angels play in the book of Revelation, especially some that people may not recognize? Well, what's amazing about the book of Revelation is it peels away the veil that separates us from seeing the angelic world. When John was taken up to heaven by Jesus, he was able to see how God works and ministrates the universe using angels. And by the time I got done through teaching Revelation, Vic and I noticed that there were 72 angels or classes of angels found in the book of Revelation, which is pretty amazing because there's 108 references to angels in the Old Testament and 176 references to angels in the New Testament, and the bulk of them could be found in the book of Revelation. So for one, you encounter the very first angel as the angel that's assigned to help the Apostle John throughout his narration, and that's uh, he's not given a name, he's in chapter 1, verse 1, but I call him the revealing angel. Uh, then we get into others which are questionable about angels. For instance, like when the, when John encounters the seven spirits, is that angels or is that the Holy Spirit? So we find that angels are the term. Angelos in the Greek is, uh, means messenger. So angels are God's messengers. So they are the spirit beings, the, the messengers of God, the angel class, a separate creation than human beings. But then there are also angels as messengers, and that's where we find some of those as well in there. John could be considered a messenger. The Holy Spirit uh, is considered a messenger. And there's others throughout that are questionable as angels. But for the most part, all seven groups are angels, the spirit beings that serve the living God. Well, this is a fascinating discussion. And I know you talk about a bulk of the appearances of angels in the New Testament are found in Revelation, but we see angels throughout the Bible, other places as well, of course. Can you give us a little overview of the biblical history of angels in general for those who are maybe unfamiliar with the topic? Absolutely. Well, we know that when God created all things, he created them good. So angels all started out good. They all were servants of the Lord. They all uh, worshipped him, and the chief of that worshiper was Lucifer. He was the greatest of all the angels. He was guardian of the throne. He was also the worship leader, and uh, he would serve during the worship services for the Lord. Well, he saw Jesus, and the pre-incarnate Jesus, of course, and God and the Holy Spirit being worshipped, and he started wanting to be worshipped himself, and that's where the first sin comes upon the world, and that is the sin of pride. And Satan wanted the worship to go to him, so he convinced a third of the angels to follow him. They tried to overthrow God, but of course nobody can overthrow God, and God cast them out of heaven and sent them down to the earth. And so that's why we now have uh, Lucifer, who is now called Satan, or the adversary, the enemy, and the fallen angels, which are called demons. Yeah, and I think many people still don't understand those differences. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about this other angel, the devil, and about fallen angels versus the angels in heaven and the angels that we talk about in Revelation. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. We'll be right back after this.
From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. One day, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Jeremiah. Okay, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was a defining moment for Peter. His answer determined his future. The question today is, who is Jesus to you? Your answer will determine your eternal future. If to you Jesus was among the greatest of men, then celebrate his birthday and read about his life. But if to you Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you must live for him. That's what a watchman does. Visit imawatchman.com for helps and resources. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs along with Joe Kerr, and we have been talking with Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries about angels in the book of Revelation. And we've talked a little bit about how many mentions there are of angels in the book of Revelation, but there's also a major difference between the good angels and the fallen angels, or even the spirits known as demons or the devil himself. And so we want to talk a little bit about that in this segment. In the Bible, the devil is called the red dragon or Satan or Lucifer. And even in non-biblical literature, you see names like Apollyon or Beelzebub. Uh, What do we know about Satan, Nathan? Talk a little bit about what the Bible says about this character. We're introduced to Satan in Revelation chapter 12. He's the 41st of the 72 angels that I list in the book, and he's described as a red dragon. So basically what John gets to see is a vision of the history of, of Satan and his interaction with the world in a great sign in the sky, the great Revelation 12 sign. The verse starts, And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. So here the Bible portrays Satan as this red dragon, and he's trying to kill this woman. And this woman has twelve stars on her head as a reference to the Jewish people, and she's about to give birth. And she gives birth to a child who will rule the world. So we know that is Jesus Christ. And the red dragon tries to destroy the child, but the the child is taken up to heaven, and the woman flees into the wilderness, and she's protected. So basically in this vision that John gets, he sees Satan continually as the adversary of both God and God's children. And we know throughout, as you read through Revelation, that Satan will be a great persecutor of those who get saved after the rapture, called the Tribulation Saints, but particularly the Jewish people. Matter of fact, Satan will kill two-thirds of the Jewish people through his uh, human one-world ruler called the Antichrist and his false prophet, but the Lord will preserve a remnant out in the wilderness, and uh, they will survive to the end of the Tribulation when Jesus Christ returns with his armies and finally defeats Satan by throwing him into a pit for a thousand years. We're recording this program actually on October 31st. I'm not sure when it will air, but that's Halloween Day. The world's very spiritually aware these days, but unfortunately, much of that is misdirected to the occult. How how much of the evil, Nathan, in the world can we blame on the devil and demons? Well, we should never underestimate how evil and cruel that humanity can be. We have the sin nature within us. We have fallen under the same delusion of pride and the desire for self-worship that Satan did, but we should not deny the fact that Satan and his forces 
are a tremendous influence in the world. They are considered the rulers of the air. Satan himself has taken the title deed of the earth away from Adam and Eve. He is king over the earth until Jesus returns. Now, Jesus defeated Satan at the cross, therefore earning back the title deed. But we see Jesus take it back in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, and we're just waiting for Jesus to return and claim his kingdom. So now, in this day and age, Satan is very much real. He's not a mythical creature. He's not an embodiment of a concept of evil. He's also not a red guy with a uh, horns, you know, and a curly uh, villain-esque type mustache and a pointed tail. That, that's just comical. Satan was the greatest, most beautiful uh, angel of light, and he masquerades as an angel of light to deceive and to devour. And so, yes, his forces are very much in the world today. A lot of the expressions of that can be found through the occult, through New Age, through Wiccan. And as you said, today is uh, Halloween as we're recording this, and this will be a great day for satanic forces because many of the world will then dabble in Satanism today. Well, that brings about a good point, this idea that we see in Ephesians 6.12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, the powers of darkness in this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's something that many people overlook. We talk about our enemies in this world, but we don't often talk about our spiritual enemies, what power they have, what power we have as believers. Talk a little bit about that conflict that we have as believers with spiritual forces of evil, and what our resources Resources are that we have in Christ. Well, we must remember that Satan is a defeated being. He was defeated since the beginning of time. When Jesus died on the cross. That was it. Satan was defeated. His demons were defeated. But we live in an interlude time period. A Jesus uh, picture kind of like a court case where there is a the judge is ruled guilty, and now we're just waiting for that time of sentencing. And that's what we're doing now. This two thousand years of church history is a time of sentencing. Now Satan is portrayed as a roaring lion seeking whom he devour, and certainly he and his demonic forces are sitting there trying to destroy the world and uh, pull as many people away from Jesus Christ and salvation and eternal life as he can. And that's what Satan does. You know, the idea that we can flaunt with uh, Satan's powers, flirt with it, and that he'll reward us is nonsense. Satan hates us with a passion because we as humans are the image of God. We were made in his image. We were given his spirit. And so we are representations as Christians of God on this earth, and Satan hates that. And so we do have tremendous power. We have all the power of God behind us. We have God's mighty angels. There's different types of angels that do different kinds of uh, deeds, and one of them are guardian angels and protecting angels. There's also warrior angels. I I could imagine if we could pull back the veil and see the spiritual warfare that goes on between angels and demons behind the scenes, I think would blow our mind. Uh, but then that is pulled off later as we get into the trumpet judgments, and there we see actually demons that have been stored underneath the earth and underneath the Euphrates River released to punish the world. So uh, as people get into the tribulation, the demonic world become more and more known. It won't be hidden like it is today, but it'll be right out there in the open. You know, Joe, this makes me think a lot of Frank Peretti and those classic novels like This Present Darkness or Piercing the Darkness. Uh, Do you think it's kind of like that, Joe, when we're talking about the spiritual forces of evil that are out there? 
I think I, I would prefer to think of angels that way versus the the white robes and togas and wings and cherubs and things that we see <laughs> depicted on uh, cartoons and crazy stuff like that. What, what do you think, Nathan? Is that a more accurate depiction of angels, kind of the way Frank Peretti showed them as more militant and big, muscular, you know, warriors? Yeah, it's so true. We've really got this misconceptions about what angels look like. Uh, you can thank Hallmark for drawing all these tiny little cherubs all over their cards. Or, yes, white toga. Uh, growing up, I'd read a lot of Americana-based type books uh, that are Christian-oriented. And again, it always showed these white guys with long curly hair and these big wings and a halo and all. And uh, then you read the Bible and you find out that not all angels have wings. And some have four sets of wings, like the... Uh, uh, cherubs, and then the seraphim have six wings, and some have no wings. Some are are shown as forces of nature, actually without physical bodies. Some are giants that can step across oceans, and the many are actually animalistic in form. Matter of fact, I believe that why God compares Satan to the red dragon is that Satan was reptilian in origin, as one of the guardians of the throne, similar to one that looks like an ox, one that looks like an eagle, one that looks like a man, and one that looks like a lion. So there are all sorts of sphinx-like type creatures in the way of angels. So angels, it just boggles the mind when you actually get into it, that there are so many different varieties of angels, just like there's so many different varieties of animals on the planet Earth. Uh, angels don't all look alike. They're not like cookie-cutter stormtroopers all marching in unison and looking exactly the same. They're as differentiated as you and I are. Well, we've been talking with Nathan Jones, author of The Mighty Angels of Revelation. And when we return, we'll complete our discussion today on A View from the Wall. The I Am A Watchman ministry is supported by people just like you so that we can continue in our call to encourage, disciple, educate, and bring people from all tribes and tongues into a right relationship with Jesus. The I Am A Watchman ministry desires to reach the lost, encourage and equip believers, and prepare for the return of the Lord. There's a great need to share truth and disciple believers. Most in the Western world are not strong in their faith. Billions in Africa and India and in Arab and Asian regions are lost or persecuted for their faith. We want to reach them and equip them. Our vision is to facilitate the multiplication of godly leaders, watchmen around the world. Free I Am A Watchman resources have been accessed by individuals in more than 160 countries, but there's so much more to do. Please consider becoming a prayer and financial partner in this good work. Visit IamAWatchman.com to find out how. A View from the Wall comes from I Am A Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose. And at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well so that they can finish well. The prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IamAWatchman.com. That's IamAWatchman.com.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan with Joe, and we've been talking with Nathan Jones about his book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. It's truly fascinating how many times angels are mentioned in the book of Revelation from chapter 1 all the way through to the new heavens and new earth. There is a fascinating focus on the angelic beings that exist in the heavenly realms, and it reminds me again of Ephesians 6, 12, this idea that our fight is against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Let's talk a little bit about this, Nathan. And we want those who get your book and listen to this program to have a realistic idea of what the spiritual battle is like. Uh, what is it that we need to focus on when we start talking about this idea of spiritual battle? Well, we have to understand that Satan and his forces are infinitely more powerful than we humans are. We should never take for granted that God made, they're called the mighty angels in the Bible for a reason. They are mighty. They are beyond our power and strength. In the Old Testament, they were actually called the sons of God. Now, here's where it changes, because then when you get to the New Testament, and Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, it is therefore then that humans are called the sons of God, and angels are the servants. And if I had to say that anything that the Bible points out about Satan, is that's what Satan hates the most. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be above the humans. But God has made us, his children, to be his heirs. And that just drives Satan and his demons crazy. And so we have to realize that the forces against us are stronger than us physically, and we need God. We need his, his strength. We also need his angelic forces, his guardian angels to help us. But we are the victors, even though we're not as strong as the angels, and we're only victors because of Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit that lives in us and the power. Now, God works through human agencies like the Church, Satan as well, we're through human agencies, the government. Uh, they talk about different organizations like the ACLU and the Planned Parenthood and, and all these different corrupt, evil organizations that exist to kill and destroy humanity. Uh, but we have the power and strength because the Lord is the Lord, and he's going to win in the end. We want our listeners to get this book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. It's truly a comprehensive view of angelology, and the layout of this book is a little unusual, Nathan. I love the fact that you put the illustrations and the individual stories in there. Talk about why you did that. Uh, well, for one, let's not call it a comprehensive angelology, because immediately my eyes start rolling in the back of my head, and I think, oh, deep theology. I did not write this book at all for the theologians. I wrote it for, for the every man like me, and... Uh, it's more conversational based, but it. I, I hired an illustrator, a very talented woman named Shalise Stevens, who's uh, got a master's in painting, and she drew 12 angel drawings based on the clues that the text gives. And I wanted not to just be a bunch of words that are ambiguous and floating around in the shadows of the mind, but to try to give some concrete imagery of what these angels could possibly look like. So by dividing the book of Revelation up into different sections, uh, I also then started each section with an angel picture. And then I went in to do a two to four page uh, fictional story of what the Apostle John was going through as he was going through the book of Revelation to kind of connect people to what was going on in the story. And then I would get into the dividing of these sections by the angels, the 72 angels, and we tell what that angel's role is in the story of Revelation, what the Lord's trying to accomplish through those angels, and how the angels stole out God's judgments throughout. So hopefully I brought it down out of the rafters, out of theology. I'm teaching you angelology. I'm teaching you Bible prophecy and eschatology. Uh, but hopefully at the, uh, at the level where most of us operate. 
Well, it's really fascinating and creative the way you've laid this out. I think for anybody who picks it up and is interested in the topic, they'll get a ton out of this. And for most people, they haven't really looked deeply at angels, especially in Revelation. So a lot of new material. One topic I want to address on the issue of angels in Revelation is this idea of angels that's found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. A lot of people are confused about this idea of the angels of the seven churches. What are the different views there, and what are your thoughts on the topic of the angels of the seven churches? Well, we're given uh, the letter that Jesus wanted John to write actually went to seven churches in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, in a circular beginning, so starting with Ephesus and ending with Laodicea, so it goes this big circle around. And they were meant to go to these seven churches, and these seven churches were given by God both commendations for the good things they did, then he would warn them for the bad things they were did, he would call them to repent if they needed to repent, and each of them would be overcomers uh, if they overcame whatever sin issue they were dealing with. And then they were promised something eternal and wonderful about that the Lord would provide one day. And these churches were obviously physical churches. They were led by pastors, which the Bible calls stars, but they also had guardian angels. So the angels got the messages as well as the pastors. And these churches also represented ages of the church. Uh, they would go through different time periods and would kind of characterize now that we're here and we can look back over the ages of the church at each of the church ages had one of these churches from Revelation that represents that time period. So it kind of blows your mind there how God works. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it can be interpreted that these pastors are the stars, they're in the Lord's hands. Uh, But uh, we also know since angels are throughout the book of Revelation and how they're interacting, that there are also these messengers are also angels. Nathan, we like to conclude each program with a word directly to our Watchmen community. So let's make it that specific. What do Watchmen need to know about angels? Well, we need to not think that they're not busy doing the Lord's work. Clearly, if if they're busy during the book of uh, Revelation, throughout the tribulation, throughout the church age, then the tribulation, and then the millennial kingdom into the eternal state, Revelation covers all that time period, and the Lord's using them mightily. So we should not think that angels aren't being busy today, like I thought when I doubted that my father was actually helped by an angel. Now, clearly the Lord uses angels, but he also uses us as Christians, as watchmen, to go out and serve him and be his messengers, his angelos as well. And so as Christians, we should get out there and share the gospel and be defenders of what is right and be true watchmen. Oh, that's well said. And uh, Nathan Jones, author of The Mighty Angels of Revelation, this is a book you'll certainly want to pick up. And Nathan, if people want to pick up a copy, what's the best way to find more information out about this resource and about your ministry? They can go to ChristinProphecy.org. That's the name of our television show, Christ in Prophecy. You can also find The Mighty Angels of Revelation on Barnes & Noble and Amazon, both in print and in ebook. Well, you've heard it there again, Nathan Jones with the Mighty Angels of Revelation. This has been a truly fascinating topic, Nathan. I thank you for being with us and appreciate your insight as always here on A View from the Wall. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. To all of our listeners, we appreciate you being with us today and thank you for your time. Stay faithful to the Watchman Call. Check out IamAWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all of the latest. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube or the podcast at SoundCloud.com slash IamAWatchman. And we look forward to joining you next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am A Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, 
and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.